0: Happy Tuesday, everyone. It's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast daily. I'm J.C. Sherbert, and it's uh, good to be with you today. Uh, late January, coming down to the wire in recruiting. Uh, I was remarking yesterday on the J.C. and Morgan podcast, I would, it's diff, It's so much different. Um, the last three years with the early signing period now, you just sort of have a, a lot of chaos w- within the guys that aren't committed, yet are signed or that are open haven't signed but there's a smaller pool so there's a lot of attention uh on some of those guys jordan birch being one and um we talked about him yesterday tony Morell on the BigSpur.com had more today for vip members tomorrow tony and i of course have the inside football show that we do every wednesday the inside football hour i guess you could call it and uh we'll definitely get into some birch tomorrow, but basically hearing the same thing over and over, you know, likely to stick with South Carolina. Um, and that's from a lot of ends uh, of things, you know, despite the visit to LSU, they're going to feel more comfortable, obviously when they get him on an official this weekend and sort of, you know, know for sure and, uh, get around him and let him have all the, uh, attention that an official visit entails. Um, he was about to be, you know, had he not taken this official, about to be one of the few guys that actually ended up at Carolina without taking an official. And you hear that every year. I mean, you know, you heard that with Marcus Lattimore and Jadevian Clowney. Oh, I probably won't take an official to South Carolina because I've, I've, you know, I've been there so many times and all that good stuff. And they usually end up taking the official visit. Um, so look for that this weekend from Jordan Birch. But that's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, We will kind of have a recruiting-focused show today, though, because as a member of the 24-7 Sports Network and as someone that ran the recruiting department and worked in the recruiting department uh, from the time they opened (laughs) until about four or five years ago, um, it's the final release of the Top 247. Uh, Today at 2 o'clock Eastern Time, 1 o'clock Central, there'll be a Facebook Live video, well, they go through the five stars, and um, then they'll you know talk about everybody else and release the list. I, I'll say this: uh, South Carolina, and I've seen the list, uh, barring any last minute changes, which obviously could happen. You know, there a lot of the commits have made moves up, down, whatever. So brace yourself for that. Um, I'll explain this though: the top two forty seven is. Our guys at 247 Sports, their personal rankings, our, our recruiting team, Barton Simmons, Steve Wiltfong, Charles Power, uh, Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, that came over from Scout, you know, all those guys that are kind of part of the rankings council. They call it the council, I think that's pretty, pretty, pretty good name, pretty strong name, the rankings council. Um, and they go back and forth and formulate the final list. Now, when you look at the team recruiting rankings uh, at 24-7 Sports, those are based on 24-7 Sports composite, which is all the recruiting media outlets, rankings, feeding into a formula. They're all weighted equally. Everybody's distributed, um, and that's what calculates that. So this is, this is not going to cause a ton of massive movements uh, in the team rankings. I, I think it could cause some pretty significant. Uh, especially up near the top, just glancing at the list. And, again, I can't talk about the specifics right now, but uh, it, it's like one-third of the whole deal. Um, but South Carolina, you know, I think, you know, looking at it, you're probably going to be happy about some guys and sad about some guys, just like every – not sad, but angry. <laughs> just like every fan base, you know, they don't understand why their guys go up and down, and, and that's just part of the game. or um, Well, not part of the – part of the deal, part of the job. I say game, and that, that kind of sounded like I was diminishing what they do. I will tell you that I personally don't always agree with uh, any prospect ranking by anybody, a hundred percent. But nobody does, and that's the nature of football. You, you can rarely come to, and, and that's why I like the composite because you know you look back over time and, and haven't been in this business. And I, I, I you know, you'll go through and remember and I I've got a pretty I got a really good memory about things like this. And I think back to when I worked for Rivals dot com uh, or worked for ESPN when those guys had different opinions and then of course my time at twenty four seven when everybody had different opinions. And I look back and, and think about the different opinions and, and you look and you, you kinda see the final product and you see that most of the time, you know, A lot of guys that stand on the table, for some guys, they're right probably 60-65% of the time, and wrong 35%. I'm no different. Now, there's some folks um, that I've never worked with that, you know, based on hearsay and uh, sources that are in meetings with them and all, that uh, I would think those numbers would be reversed, Uh, and uh, I, you know, it's just a, a thought on my end, but... Yeah, you know, I don't want to run anybody down right now, but those are guys I've never worked with that don't work at twenty four seven. That have been at other networks and stuff that we've never, never worked together. Because um, all of our guys at twenty four seven, I've worked with them, you know, at some point or another, and totally respect the job they do. It's very difficult. You are literally trying to rank guys that play different positions, that are unique positions, different body types, uh, that play different levels of football in different states across the country. <laughs> and so, you know, you, don't, you can't just base it on stats because I guarantee you the kid that plays private school ball in Texas uh, where, you know, you have a bunch of classifications, a bunch of powerhouses, but they're not playing anybody. They're playing, you know, some private school teams that, that probably aren't that good. Uh, But out there, they they don't play a lot of defense and they run, you know, wide open air raid offenses. You know, that guy's going to throw for 4,500 yards and 60 touchdowns, which is great. I mean, I don't care what you're playing against, those are great numbers. But that guy's not automatically a five star because you've got to factor in level of competition. Same thing with running backs that uh, don't play high level competition. You know, you've got to go beyond that. You've got to say, well, you know, this guy, and I remember this, Royce Freeman, who was a very good running back who rated five stars that went to Oregon. He played at a little tiny school in, and I say Southern California, and people automatically think Los Angeles or San Diego. This was inland Southern California, almost down towards Cali, Mexico. I think it's Cali, Mexico, that's across the border. Um, right there, near. it's near the border, and really small place and we liked him but you know we looked at kind of uh some of his testing numbers and you know he had four six seven in the 40 and maybe wasn't all that fast as fast as he looked on film thought he had good vision and four six seven is not terrible for a running back if you have natural skills well then he comes to the opening and nick chubb did the same thing and he hangs a four four one laser time up and so at that point that's a different ball game with him because it doesn't matter who he's playing against. And he had a good career at Oregon, you know, same thing with Nick Chubb, uh, Cedartown where he's from is a good three, a school three, a ball, or they were three, a back when, when I knew what I was talking about, as far as Georgia classifications, they may be something different now, but you know, it wasn't Gwinnett County, but it was good. Uh, and they had good tradition and stuff like that. Um, but when he he hung like a four three eight up up there and that was legit. And so at that point, you know, Nick Chubb becomes a five star. And quite frankly, had Nick Chubb not gotten injured later in his career, uh, you know, I I think he would have been an extremely high draft pick and, and all that, and he's certainly doing okay in the NFL. So that's uh, that's kinda how it goes with, with this ranking stuff. And it's it's very difficult. And I think that guys can overthink it. I've overthought it. Guys can underthink it. Guys cannot be meticulous. But I'll say this, they put in the work. You know, regardless of your opinions of the work and the final product, these are all good guys. Uh, They all have no agenda except to produce good rankings. Um, And they get out there and they do the best they can. And, and, And these are people that... You know, before you go rail on them, and, and they can take the heat, obviously. Uh, keep in mind, these are guys, most of them have families and lives and are, are good people. I mean, they're, they're not, you know, jerks or pieces of crap. And that's across all all the networks. You know, there's some people uh, I've run across that, and there's very few, one or two maybe, that, you know, I probably would not, you know, pee on if they were on fire. Um, and, and they 're not at twenty four seven they 're not at ESPN <laughs> uh, uh, so where I used to work as well, so uh you know I, I, but i don 't really know them, and maybe they are good people. I just know kind of how they 've treated me and treated some of my coworkers and people I respect with a lot of disrespect over the years, and you know so i no respect for them, but even people i 've competed against my entire career or most of my career. Uh, you know, you talk to them, and they're, they're genuinely good people. And, uh, you know, all you fans out there are going to say what you want if a guy drops or goes up or whatever, um, and that's part of it, and I know they understand that. But keep that in mind if you cross the line into, you know, professionalism. I um, mean, cross the line from professional criticism uh, to personal criticism today. Um, keep in mind these guys, I'm vouching for them all you know, tremendous people, outstanding human beings, um, work hard, no agenda, um, disagree, agree with them all you want, but there's no agenda that they're pushing, uh, other than to have really good, accurate rankings. You know, you know these guys, they don't sit around, and I didn't either. You know, we, we I didn't sit around and sweat, you know, the rankings, you know, I'd follow the games on Saturday and stuff. You, you know, we, we sweat the rankings during the NFL draft because that's kind of our, our guideline. You know, that's why we have thirty two five stars. You know, you go um, and you're projecting long term, and that and that's kind of where it terminates. We don't project this guy's going to have a great NFL career, or be a Pro Bowl or whatever, because. There's too many variables projecting guys that far in advance. Every time you go up a level there's going to be a chunk of guys that simply don't want any. And it doesn't matter if you're a first rounder or a, a seventh rounder or a free agent or whatever. There's going to be some guys that just don't want any because the collisions get more difficult and the speed of the game and, and they just don't adapt. Um, And, and that's football. You know, you, you kind of look at it uh, even with all the resources the NFL has with scouting and you know all that good stuff, and the the millions of dollars they invest in deciding whether or not to make an investment, they still miss because that's that's football. You know that happens. That's why I think sometimes you know I talk about this a lot when you talk about team recruiting rankings. You know, Florida in two thousand and ten signed a class that on paper was the best ever. And I think it's remained that way. It may, may may not be, but you looked at it, and they got everybody, you know. Dominique Easley was about to commit to Oregon, and he switched to Florida. And there were injuries. A third of the class, like I said, didn't want any. You know, really good players just got kicked off or whatever. And, and that class kind of drove Urban Meyer out. And that class was kind of the foundation of, of Will Muschamp's 7-6 and six team his first year because, you know, those guys just – The buy-in just wasn't there for a lot of them, and then a lot of them got hurt even before Muschamp got there. Um, You know, you look at Florida State and Tennessee. Right before, you know, Tennessee, right before Butch Jones goes winless in the SEC, signed, you know, a top-five class and a top-ten class back-to-back. And that's exactly what you want to do, you know. Tennessee, but they just had a lot of guys that, you know, they couldn't develop, that didn't like the coaching staff, that ended up busting out. Uh, Florida State obviously recruited in the top five did not out i mean did not get out recruited by Clemson a single year until Clemson won the national championship. Think about that you know Florida State annually ranked above Clemson in the team rankings uh, you know all those years while Clemson was building a dynasty now Clemson's going to rank higher uh, Southern California did not say more now. What's interesting is at this point in Southern Cal cuz they've you know they've stuck with Clay Helton, they the South Carolina Southern Cal Vandy, you know, all stuck with their guy this year and Oregon and other schools, SEC schools, Clemson, uh they're all going out and raiding Southern California. Um and the Trojans and then UCLA has just fallen off. I mean, but Chip Kelly's there, so We'll see if he can do some wizardry. But um, so they're actually now, you know, after being mediocre with top five classes, you know, they're actually now losing recruits. And I always talk about recruits in your backyard. You cannot do that. If you're the Trojans, you cannot lose, you know, seven of the top ten in the Los Angeles area and expect to be good. Los Angeles is a, believe it or not, it's a football hotbed especially on the high school level. So, you know, all that said, you know, that's why, you know, when we talk about rankings and we talk about team rankings and things like that, I I don't stress about the Gamecocks, and you shouldn't either, being 18th versus 13th, for example, because you're talking about with the calculations, using composite, using three different sets of rankings, you're talking about fractions of points. You're talking about one or two guys being like a – 0.9055 0.9055, and then your guy being 0.8991, and and that could be the difference between five spots. And so, don't worry about that. I, you know, the Gamecocks right now they're sitting where they always sit, normally under Must Champ with the 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 number seven, number eighteen class in the country. They were seventeenth last year, and uh, eighth in the SEC. You know, so let's look at it. Eighth in the SEC, you know. All the big six, plus Texas A&M, I guess it's the big seven, is ahead of the Gamecocks. And then again, the Gamecocks, you know. Solidly in eighth place with, you know, 18 points ahead of Kentucky. That's significant enough. And, you know, four points behind Tennessee, uh, which is normal. So, you know, they're head of Mississippi State, Ole Miss. You know, Arkansas 12th, Vandy's 13th, Missouri, uh, bringing up the rear. Um, you know, this is the highest Kentucky's ranked in the recruiting rankings in quite some time. They're usually like 12th, just solid 12th. <laughs> um, but they got some four stars and stuff like that, and I think it's because their program's improved and people pay attention to their commits. You know, so will the Gamecocks move up? moved down within the SEC uh, with regards to, you know, uh, this uh, recruiting rankings update because this will be the final one because uh, I think ESPN and rivals have already finished theirs off. But, you know, Tennessee's 16th nationally. South Carolina's 18th. There's no difference. There's no difference in those classes. And, in fact, I you know, some people you know you talk to certain people, they say Tennessee's better some some people will say South Carolina' is better. you know, Florida, as usual, has a lot of guys in that low four star range um you know, I think that uh oh, look at that Joshua Brown braun ended up at Florida just like I said uh, it's uh, a lot of guys in that four star range, a lot of in state guys uh, I don't think it matters their their staff. Probably will take some heat for their fans for finishing sixth in the SEC in recruiting, but Dan Mullen's twenty-one and five because he outcoaches everybody, and I think they probably have more talent than certain teams they play. Because at the end of the day, you know if you're coaching guys up, you know your guys rated in this range are going to pass the guys that are a little higher that aren't. You know LSU is going to end up being scary good. And of course, everybody in Game hopes they don't get Jordan Bulk Birch. Georgia is sitting there, you know, second in the in the in the SEC, third in the country. Uh Alabama right now is sitting point three six points behind Clemson for the number one class in the country. I think Clemson's almost done. Um Bama's Probably done. Georgia is not done, so Georgia could sneak up there. LSU almost done. Ohio State's fifth. A and M sixth. Auburn seventh. Florida eighth. You know, so a lot of top ten classes in the Southeastern Conference, the Southeast in general, this year. But it's going to be interesting to see if Bama ends up passing Clemson. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying. Just looking at it, it's going to be interesting to see sort of what happens. So I I want to go back real quick while we're on this subject, because I love this subject. I mean, it's kind of of been my life's work, to be honest. So, you know, every year I'll write a little article that says, I think these guys are overrated and underrated. And I don't remember. I probably mentioned some guys were underrated that haven't performed well yet. And I probably mentioned that, you know, some guys – I wasn't that high on that ended up being good. So I went through and looked like as of right now, like right now in the 2018, 2019 classes, who, if we were sitting around having a beer and talking Gamecock recruiting, and I know a lot of you love it, and I've done that with some of you guys that are listening, and I know, and shout out to you. Um, in 2018, 2019, right now, based on what we've seen the last two years, and keep in mind, 19's only had one season and it was bad. Um, 18, I think, is a kind of the backbone of the program right now. I think there's a lot of 2018 guys that start and play, and they're pretty good. So, and I, I was very conservative with this because I didn't want to just come out and be like, "Oh, this guy could be this." Because there's always a could be. There's always a could be. You know, uh, there could be a situation where this guy blows up the next two years. You know, there could be a situation where this guy ends up being an All American, and he didn't he hadn't even played. You know, But in 18, I would say underrated guys. Dylan Wanham was around 141st, 141 in the country. Um, I think, in my opinion, even though he had the injuries last year, he's a guy that could be first, second round at tackle. I think he's that good. So I probably could make a strong case for him being a top 100 guy. And, and this, these rankings are 24-7 sports composite. J.C. Horn – um, people can say what they want about teams completing passes. Notice they did not throw at him a whole lot this year. <laughs> uh, he was a, the two hundred and eighth ranked overall player in the country. I could make a case for him considering he was a you know freshman All SEC and Dylan Wannam was a freshman All American. You know, being probably at least within the top one hundred and fifty. I am going to go out, my go out on a limb, guy is JJ Enigbare Kingsley Enigbare. He was a low four and. Didn't really start a whole lot this year, but that was he was actually one of the bright spots late. You could see him coming on. I don't know if they'll move him to Buck or not. Um, I do think he needs to be starting. I think he's a great natural pass rusher, and he got better and better the more he played. And we know those guys, when we're talking NFL draft, which is what you're kind of basing everything on, pass rushers, they go a little higher because they're more rare, and everybody needs them and wants them. Ernest Jones was a mid-three star. Um, Based on what I saw this past year, the way he plays, I'm curious to see if he takes another jump with Will Muschamp taking over the linebackers. Not that Coleman Hutzler did a bad job, but Will Muschamp's coached a lot of good linebackers. Uh, Izzy Mekwamu is going to be kind of a controversial pick, because we know he had the three-interception game against Georgia. He had some moments that he – you know, you're like wow. You know, you you see the length and athleticism and the way he played, and then you had some times where he just he couldn't cover. Period. I'm going to say still underrated as a mid three because I think he could probably move to safety if somebody steps up at corner, and that could be more of his game. Um, compared him to J. Ron Curse that played at Clemson when he came up. And I it's easy to do that because there, there's aren't that many six foot four, six foot five safeties out there. Um, and curse ended up being, you know, that kind of guy. Where lengthwise, I mean, and he could close, and and he had he had a lot of the, a lot of similar skill set uh, to Mukwamu. So Mukwamu may be the answer at safety. And then R.J. Roderick, I have him on the list as well as a low three. And and I know R.J. sort of struggled sometimes this year, but he also made a lot of plays. With him, I, I don't know that. You know, I'd have had him in a top 247, knowing what I know now, top 247, top 250. But I think he's like a top 300 to 310 guy and a a low four based on his body of work so far. And I think he's another guy that's just going to probably get better and better. Um, You know, didn't, you know, took a jump, didn't take a big jump this past year. Got better, but probably not as bad, you know, didn't make a huge leap year one to year two. 2019, And again, these guys have had one year, so these are going to be more, uh, you know, more my opinion than anything. Feel free to disagree. Uh, Jamie Robinson is a high three. Now, ranking him, I, I would have had him as a like a like a low four, ninety one, ninety two, Um And I'll tell you why, because he's not a ceiling guy. He's not a long-term projection. He kind of is what he is, but he's really good. And he does a lot of things naturally. And he's going to get somewhat better. I mean, you know, obviously, true freshman last year. Uh, What I like about him as a player, um, specifically, if I were in a rankings meeting, I I would sit there and say, well, you know, he's, he's a guy that will tackle. He can play in the box. He's got good coverage skills for a smaller, thicker guy. He's got enough speed and he's got a lot of athleticism, and every time he steps on the field, and we said this back on the lot on the Gamecocks podcast with Keith, he believes he's the best player on the field, so he's got a moxie to him. And for those reasons, you know, and look at his high school career, he was a state player of the year and all that, that, that. Guys that go out and perform on Friday nights over and over and over again to where the point they're like the player of the year, you know, those people that are, that are naming those awards are, are two groups of people, the high school coaches who have to defend him or worry about him every day or every game, um, and then those high school sports writers who aren't recruiting guys. You know, they're basically just looking high school production, period, boom. You know, and, and I think that the fact that he performed consistently enough to be, you know, named the top defensive player in Georgia – you know gave him a lot of on-field credibility so we'll see what happens there jakai moore is a high three uh you know that was a weird composite thing because one network uh had him as a low three star and then the other two had him as a low four um as a true freshman last year offensive lineman you know bright future struggled like all of them do but bright future or most of them do. I don't want to say Dylan Wanham struggled as a freshman. Kevin Harris is a mid-three. You know, just looking at him, you know, and a lot of people were upset because the Gamecocks beat Army, Navy, and Air Force for him. i tell you what, if he was at one of those three schools this year and did not get hurt, everybody in the country would be talking about it. He may have rushed for 1,000 yards. Um, like his burst and his speed, and, and I'm basing this on, uh, you know, the Charleston Southern game, great. It's great for freshmen to get out and run 70-yard touchdowns. <laughs> but we've talked about they probably weren't the strongest opponent. So I'm basing it on other aspects. Uh, and I think, you know, when you kind of start talking about 2020, you know, you could see a Marshawn Lloyd and Kevin Harris combo in the backfield that I, I'm sort of intrigued by, quite frankly. So I got Kevin Harris. I got Xavier Leggett on there. Um, gosh, I wish, you know, and I don't know, and maybe he just, maybe they tried and it didn't work. But you know, I would have probably tried to have him, get him ready to start game three or four. He finally got in, made some plays toward the end of the year. Uh, disappeared at some other times, but he's fast. He's bigger and fast. He's why you recruit the state of South Carolina. Um, I think he's going to be a guy this coming year that's going to really. Surprise some people, so check that out. The the little I saw of Jamar Brown, and and look, I'll admit, I was I was a Hopkins guy, you know. When, when he came in, I thought, wow, you know, we saw him at the Shrine Bowl. He's big, he's physical. Um, he made that tackle on Harris during the spring game. Uh, I thought everybody was, you know, fired up about him. Then he red shirts, then he leaves, and now he's at Charlotte, uh, where I think he'll be good. I do think he will be a good player there. Um, Jamar Brown was kind of a guy they took out of St. Thomas Aquinas, and then they, they quit recruiting some other guys that were more highly rated, and people were like, well, why is this? And He um, came highly recommended <laughs> from the NFL player on their staff. And uh, when he got in, I thought he looked good. I thought he moved well. I thought he covered well for a linebacker. I think he'll strike you. I think he's a valuable type of guy. Um and I could see him stepping up and, and starting at will linebacker next year. Uh, maybe not, because Sherrod Green certainly improved this past year. and he'll, I think Sherrod will be a senior, won't he? But uh, Jamar Brown is is a name that if you're looking at the Gamecock defense coming down the next couple of years, you're, you're going to hear his name as long as he's healthy and ready to roll. Jalen Nichols is my last one. And, and Jamar was a mid-three star, kind of an afterthought from down there. And I'll tell you, his teammate, Vinnie Murphy, could be the starting center next year, and you could add him onto this list if that happens. I don't know that it will because he had some injuries and stuff. But I, I, Vinny Murphy, another guy to keep off on, on you know on the potentially underrated list, and then Jalen Nichols, you know, low three star. Everybody talked about him. Um, take nothing away from Ja'Kai Moore, but you know who did they put in when Wanam got hurt? Jalen Nichols, and and I thought, look, man eventually it caught up to my man, Jalen Nichols. Eventually, you know, he was like, ah, I'm a true freshman. You know, he's a true freshman. But I thought there were times he battled good, and he, he didn't look like he didn't belong out there athletically. Uh, and I think that's what you get, because you, you know he's going to take a step between this year and next year. So the game guys have a good, you know, talking just as an aside about these three tackles, um, and I'll add Justin Turning Time from the 2020 class in here and into this mix. Wolford's going to have an interesting deal because Wanham's one of your tackles, and then you know you've got Nichols, Moore, and Turning Time that all could potentially win the other spot, and that allows you to to move Sedarius Hutcherson inside. You know whether or not Dylan Wanham's the left tackle and one of the other three's the right, or you know you got one of those three left you know, whatever, however you want to do it. So I'm, I'm curious to see if that happens because I, I love Sedarius Hutcherson. We all do. Um, I, I don't – I'm not going to say he disappointed at left tackle this year. I think he was solid, not spectacular. But I think he's more than solid and sometimes downright spectacular on the interior uh, of the offensive line, which, you know, is still kind of developing. You had some young guys in there. You know, obviously Joe Jovan Gwim, you know, they need to find a center. Um, you know, Jordan Rhodes started some of the year. Eric Douglas struggled at times when he was in there. So if you could solidify the interior by moving Sedarius back and have one of those three very talented but sort of inexperienced guys at left tackle, more power to you. And then for 2020, we shall see. We shall see who's underrated and overrated just like we always do. I have a feeling just shooting, you know, shooting it that, you know, Eric Shaw's got a chance to surprise some people. Joey Hunter at corner or safety, hopefully safety. I think he's a safety. Um, I think Tonka Hemingway, once he gets in a college weight program, can be really good. Um, you know, Kai Kroger or Kruger, the punter, left footed punter. <laughs> I'm telling you, that could be. That could be interesting. <laughs> um, and then Dominic Hill. Uh, I'm curious to kind of see him. He's one of those guys that I'm iffy about because I'm like, I, I, you know, he's already there, he's enrolled, uh, he's got a lot of good skills, a lot of speed, stuff like that. Still think he needs to be developed. So I'm a bit iffy about him. I think it's – I'm not going to say feast or famine, but, you know – I He's a guy that, when you look at him on film and look at the measurables and stuff like that, you're like, yes, underrated. But you know, just something tells me, you know, looking at like where he has to go to be part of the secondary and stuff, you know, I, I you know, he, he may not, you know, it may, it may be a guy that's just a three star. So I'm not going to say. I'm sorry for saying just a three star, a three star performer in college, which is not bad. It's good. Three stars are most of the starters around college football, so I, sh- I shouldn't say that. But may not be the, uh, you know the, you know the the wildly outplay your ranking type of guy. So that's that's my kind of underrated list and um, all that here on rankings release day on the twenty fourth. Seven Sports Network. Um, so, uh, this comes out at two o'clock Eastern. I will have a special episode of this podcast with Barton Simmons and Charles Power breaking down um, just in conversation form uh, some Gamecock targets or, or whatever when the five stars get released today. Um, so, I, you know, that's kind of. Uh, embargoed until 2 o'clock Eastern, so a special edition of Inside the Gamecocks podcast with Barton and Charles uh, sort of breaking it all down. Uh, that'll come to you, you know, right after the release, and, uh, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, Gamecock basketball, don't forget, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time, tomorrow night at Arkansas. One of their players is uh, questionable, for the Gamecock game, and I, his last name's Joe. I want to make sure I get this right because in my head, I am getting him confused with Joe Judge, who's the new coach of the Giants, and I know it's not, it's not Joe Judge. It's not Joe Judge. It's not Joe Judge. So, um, anyway, I'll I, I look at it, and I'm looking at it right now. Isaiah Joe, he's the uh, second-leading scorer for their team, 16.8 points per game, hitting uh, 34% from three, 83% foul shooter. Yeah, pretty good player. Those guards they have, I mean, you've got Mason Jones, Isaiah Joe, Jimmy Witt, all averaging over 15 points a game uh, for the Razorbacks. They're not very big, not very big. And so you kind of look at how the Gamecocks played Vandy and beat them. With I mean, they dominated on the interior you know, South Carolina, if Coatsar are, can get out there and play. And, you know, McCrary can keep coming on and Frank and uh, uh, Keyshawn Bryant. Uh, I think the Gamecocks can out-rebound them. they got to go shoot well, though, because this Arkansas team can really, really shoot. So we will see what happens there. But I'll have a complete preview tomorrow. Don't forget Tony Morrell and I. Also tomorrow with the Inside Football Weekly Inside Football Hour, I guess is how you, what you could call it. Um, you know, right here uh, on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. All right, this has been J.C. Sherbert, ITG Daily. Looking forward to those rankings later. Don't forget, Power and Simmons, special episode coming your way later today. This has been Inside the Gamecocks.